for another episode of punts pucks and pitches my name is tyler tracy and i'm here with my favorite younger brother ryan and ryan it's been uh uh the off season is starting to pick up here starting to get exciting for uh probably the most interesting off season i think that the nfl has had in a really long time uh and i think this just kind of start out with just some updated news really we uh four of the seven new coaching vacancies uh, going into the offseason season are now filled. And uh, for all you Buckeye fans out there, you can now start rooting for the Jacksonville Jaguars with Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville. Ryan, what are your thoughts uh, about this decision? You know, I, I have mixed feelings about it because Urban Meyer retired from Ohio State because he had health issues. Uh, and I, I guess those have been cleared up. I think he's a very good coach. Um, one of the disadvantages that he's going to have in the NFL is you don't recruit talent. You can't just recruit a bunch of five-star offensive linemen to come and play for Ohio State anymore. You have to draft and develop talent. Um, and so with that being said, I still think it's a good move. Urban Meyer is, uh, a, I mean, a great college coach. I mean, probably a Hall of Fame college coach winning two championships with uh, – Tim Tebow, and uh, he won with Cardell Jones, right, as the quarterback of Ohio State? Yes, yes, the legendary Cardell Jones. Uh, yeah. yeah, the three-game national championship uh, uh, MVP. He was the MVP of that, right? I think he was. Yeah, he, he was, he was. Yeah. Um, well, I guess Zeke could have been. I, I think it was Cardell Jones. Oh, Zeke, I think, before he became Zeke. Like, he was obviously a really good running back. But no, 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 that that was Zeke's last year in college. That was when he uh, those highlights of him breaking all those sixty yard runs against Alabama. Uh, oh, really? that, was, that was in the semifinals of that uh, of that year. But I I think Urban Meyer is a good coach uh, for Jacksonville. Um, I'm curious to see the amount of talent that he's able to bring down there and develop because right now I think they they actually have a few good young pieces uh, on defense. They have yep. Josh Allen, the linebacker from Kentucky. Um, CJ Henderson, the young, uh, cornerback, uh, from Florida, uh, LaVisca Chenault. Um, he's a rookie wide receiver out of, uh, Colorado. Yeah. And he, he's very athletic to me. He, he reminds me a lot of, uh, Cordero Patterson and just, he has a lot of straight line speed, but I'm not quite sold on his route running. Um, yeah. but mm-hmm. I, I'm very curious to see what he can do down there. Yeah, I'm very curious as well. It, I, when I first heard this report, I thought it was kind of a joke, <laughs> to, to be honest, because I, I thought Urban Meyer retired because of health reasons, which is why he he just 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 wanted to stop uh, and, and just uh, uh, kind of live out the rest of his years in, in retirement and, and, and doing some some commentating. But you know, he I could have I, done very well at. He he could have lived very handsomely off of that, but I guess oh, he yeah, got the absolutely. coaching bug again. Oh, yeah. It, sometimes uh, I can see how retirement can get a little bit boring. And so we wanted to come out. Jacksonville definitely is a very in- interesting spot as well. Not nearly as big of a market. But if 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 you're a perennial college coach and, and you're wanting to maybe challenge yourself, coming into Jacksonville and you're g- going to most de- most certainly um, – or sorry, I, I, would, I should say 99% most certainly going to be getting – 
uh, arguably one of the best uh, QB prospects that we've seen in a very long time, uh, and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, as well as uh, Jacksonville has a total of 11 picks. So what you were talking about already, like find, being able to find that college uh, recruiting talent, and if he's able mm-hmm. to study these films, he, he's got a great eye for recruiting, obviously, with all those years at Florida and Ohio State, that uh, he could potentially pick out not just one, but multiple diamonds in the rough uh, with this year's draft class. I'm just curious, and Urban Meyer obviously has multiple years of head coaching, so he's used to the pressure, used to the experience, but uh, expectations are going to be very high in Jacksonville with um, a future college uh, Hall of Famer and uh, in, in, in Urban Meyer and pro- possibly Trevor Lawrence as well. If they do end up deciding to draft him with the first pick, there's going to be a lot of expectations, I think, for the Jaguars to come out of the gate running because you're absolutely right. They do have some pieces. Just didn't really have them in the right order, so to say. Yeah. Uh, uh, and with two first-round picks, I think that there's going to be a lot of uh, expectations that they could quickly turn things around uh, um, in the AFC South. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I read that was interesting uh, with Urban Meyer going down to Jacksonville, that creates a, a an Ohio State uh, connection with uh, one of the quarterbacks coming up with, in the draft uh, with Justin Fields. Yeah. I don't think it will play a role. I think Trevor Lawrence is head and shoulders above the other quarterbacks in this draft. Um, and, but some people are saying that it could, may, maybe it could be a, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray effect. Um, but I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Justin Fields first year at Ohio state, the first year for Ryan day. So yes, but urban Meyer was a part of Justin Fields recruiting process. Okay. Okay. So and that's fair. And did he rush? Uh, did he redshirt in that that Urban Meyer's no, final year? So Justin Fields is a true junior, I believe. He spent his freshman year at Georgia, uh, where he played in uh, seven games or something, uh, just kind of like a Taysom Hill role for Georgia. And then he yeah. ended up transferring um, to Ohio State. But the NCAA, being slightly hypocritical as they are, has a one-year transfer rule, but they waived it for Justin Fields. So he, when he transferred from UGA to Ohio State was able to play immediately. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I totally see what you're saying. And, uh, you're, and I, I understand that the, the potential theory with the uh, Cliff Kingsbury and, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kyler Murray. Yeah. Sorry. And the Kyler Murray connection that did happen in the past. Uh, and, and I think, I think you mentioned this before in the, uh, pregame, or, or, or before we started the show, uh, the yeah, the pregame show meeting uh, event <laughs> that uh, Kyle Murray was the hands down number one quarterback in yeah. that draft class. Justin Fields arguably isn't even the second best quarterback in this uh, in this draft class. So if you're uh, Urban Meyer and you're coming in, uh, you want to get your uh, first NFL head coaching job off on the right foot. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, did Jacksonville fire their like, – are they also looking for a GM as well, or do they currently have a GM? Um, I think they hired a new GM last year because they had Tom Coughlin, the old Giants coach, as their GM. But I, I forget if they fired or he re- fired him or he retired. But they did just get a new GM uh, in the recent years. So I don't think that they fired a GM. So – According to this, in this article by the Jaguars.com came out on January 9th, 2021. 
it looks like they are still searching for a GM. Um, and now this is this is after uh, Urban Meyer was announced, but it looks like they are trying to hire a GM. Yep, and, and there, there's still some some debate on whether or not a GM would come in. But so any GM that comes in isn't going to have the pedigree, just the overall, I guess, kind of, uh, I guess, celebrity credit uh, uh, um, uh, cred as Urban Meyer is as a, as a coach. Mm-hmm. And if I'm that GM, you want to start off with what everyone thinks is the right decision. And if it doesn't pan out, then it's not your fault. So that's why I'm still leaning for Jacksonville picking that uh, 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 picking Trevor Lawrence as the number one pick. So, mm-hmm. and even Urban Meyer is going to want to uh, do that uh, most likely from the get-go. I think it's going to have to take a lot of film take and a lot of persuasion from people who really want Justin Fields or people who don't want Trevor Lawrence for the Jaguars not to pick Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, no, I, in years past, so like, uh, w- for example, when Baker Mayfield was uh, was drafted number one overall, there were three quarterbacks. I mean, you had Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, uh, even Lamar Jackson and uh, Josh Rosen, who all were kind of could have been the best in the draft. And, and this year, I just don't think that's the case. I think Trevor Lawrence is clearly better. Yeah. And I think, if, like you said, if it's going to take a lot of tape for them to watch on Justin Fields for somebody to even consider it. Yeah. Uh, if they if they watch a bunch of tape, they will just see how much better uh, Trevor yeah. Lawrence. Yeah, I agree, and I think he just has all the tools. And uh, if it was a toss up between Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, then maybe I could see it. You know, wanted to stick yeah, with something that you know, but with something like this, Urban Meyer compete at uh, I believe has competed against Trevor Lawrence as well. Uh, I'm. I'm uh, I forget if he did actually in 2018. But either way, though, Urban Meyer has been commentating and analyzing Trevor Lawrence now for the past couple of years. And if if there's anything maybe that might can, that might make him pick someone else than Trevor Lawrence, it might be the, since the Jags had one of the weaker offensive lines uh, mm-hmm. in the NFL, maybe, maybe very, very small chance that they pick uh, Panay Suel with the first pick. I would, I would think, I think that that is more likely than than picking just than than picking than, uh, Justin Fields. Um, but however, though Jacksonville does have the twenty fifth pick as well in the first round, yeah. and this is a pretty deep offensive uh, line uh, draft, yeah. and so that's someone that that they can easily pick up with the twenty fifth pick or even the thirty uh, the thirty third pick at the beginning of the second round. So that's why I think things are just leaning more towards. Uh, Trevor Lawrence being picked number yeah. one. Uh, however, though the number two team also did pick a court, uh, a new coach as well. The New York Jets uh, did hire Robert uh, Sala. I believe yeah, I pronounced Sala. correctly. Sala. I, I apologize uh, if he ever listens to this if I uh, pronounce his name <laughs> incorrectly. But um, uh, he was also picked, and this is one that everyone knew kind of I think coming in. Uh, to this season that this was probably going to be his last year as a defensive coordinator with yeah. the 49ers. Uh, the 49ers had 
the best defense in 2019, and they still were pretty good this year, even after being decimated with injuries and COVID restrictions. Uh, honestly, uh, how do you think Robert Salah's going to fit into the New York Jets? The situation is in the Jets is different, uh, absolutely different than in Jacksonville. I so as a Patriots fan, I I hate to say it, but I think the Jets finally got a head coach right. I, th- mm-hmm. I think Robert Sala could be the best head coach they've had since Rex Ryan took him to the playoffs in oh no. Um, yeah. He's a high-energy guy. He's a he's very, very good on defense. Um, and he's good at developing talent. Granted, they've drafted a bunch of first-round defensive linemen over the past five to six years. Um, but consistently, <clears throat> they've had top-tier pass rushers uh, – down there in San Francisco. And I I think that I think they just nailed this selection. Yeah. Yeah. I I think this is a good one and I think this is gonna be a great fit, especially with uh all the weaknesses that they do have on the defensive side on the ball. I think mm-hmm. uh it's I think it's easier to pick up weapons on the offensive side and to bring in uh a good offensive coordinator. The uh the game is moving younger and, and there's a lot of uh, good talent that's coming on. It, it, if I'm not sure if it's been confirmed, but it looks like it is uh, uh, most likely going to happen that Michael Floor is going to be uh, his offensive coordinator, brother yeah. of Green Bay Packers coach Matt Lafleur. Yeah, and uh, so he's yeah, going to come in uh, with yep with Kyle Shanahan like offense, and probably going to have a lot more control over the offense than uh, uh, Urban Meyer might have with Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Arthur Smith with the Falcons, uh, uh, and, and we'll get to him in a second. But, but that brings up an interesting question to me because we were just talking about Pinay Suell and Justin Fields uh, and even uh, Zach Wilson a little bit. With Robert Sala being the head coach, a very defensive-minded guy, do you think the Jets will go in a direction where, they're, where they would take another quarterback, or do you think they would try and shore up that offensive line uh, – see if Sam Darnold can stop seeing ghosts and go for uh, kind of a conservative um, defense-heavy game plan, somewhat of what uh, San Francisco tried to do this year? So there's definitely uh, a, a lot of different ways that they could go. And, they're, and it's, almost, it's almost kind of nice that, Jack, that they know essentially what Jackson was going to do because then it really opens up. Uh, their game plan. Obviously, having the number second pick is, is going to be uh, a great pick uh, just in general. Um, but one of the things that's interesting about uh, the Jets with all these slew of offensive selections, first, I personally think that they're going to pick uh, um, someone that is that that uh, is on the offensive side of the ball. One, because there's not too much great top 10 talent uh, on the mm-hmm. defensive side of the ball. Uh, they do also have the 23rd pick is I believe the 23rd pick. Let me double check here. Um, and that's someone uh, they can get uh, another offensive lineman uh, or receiver there or pick up the best available defensive player uh, on that side of the ball, according to, depending on what their needs are. Uh, personally, I don't think Sam Darnold is the issue. I think he needs to have a foundation in front of him, which he hasn't had uh, in his career with the Jets. They also have – some great receiver options as well. And, and getting a weapon for um, Sam Darnold would also be something mm-hmm. that he desperately needs. So there's, I think there's multiple ways uh, that, that, that they could go. 
they did pick uh they did spend their first round pick on uh tackle uh Makia Becton from Louisville last year and he had a yeah. 74.3 PFF uh grade which ranked him in the middle of the field toward left tackle so yeah for a rookie left tackle and he was kind of injured this year finishing better than half of the other left tackles that's not horrible and you definitely I expect to see some improvement over mm-hmm. a second year so yeah. Maybe selecting Penny Sewell, they might not go with only because, uh, unless if they think that he could play right tackle or maybe even left guard. So I could easily see them yeah. uh, picking Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith, picking a weapon for uh, Sam Darnold to throw to. Mm-hmm. So I remember a few years ago, um, the Colts were in a similar situation uh, and they really needed. A, a few offensive things. They needed a wide receiver to support uh, T.Y. Hilton in the passing game. Uh, they didn't really have a running back yet. Uh, their defense was still on edge. And uh, they picked a, a guard out of Notre Dame by the name of Quentin Nelson, who mm-hmm. has been a two- or three-time pro bowler, a two- or three-time all-pro. And in a way, I kind of view that pick as when the Colts started to turn their franchise around because, I mean, they were picking – I think they had the sixth pick in the draft. So, they, I mean, they were not good. I think they were 4-12. and 12. And I kind of view this Penny Suel pick as a similar uh, thing for the Jets. I think uh, Penny Suel could really shore up that offensive line. It could really allow Sam Darnold to be able to drop back and feel somewhat comfortable in the pocket. And I don't think Sam Darnold is damaged goods yet. People were starting to say that he's the next David Carr where he's seeing ghost and he's damaged and – He'll never be able to be his full potential just because the Jets have been so bad. But I don't think that's the case with Sam Darnold. I think he just needs some help. When the Jets are able to give Sam Darnold some time, he's a he's a very good quarterback. So I, I think, for me, Penn Suel is the proper pick here. And then even with the 23rd pick, they can see what uh, offensive selections are available. But I think with the 23rd pick, you'd be getting – one of the better linebackers, one of the better defensive tackles, edge rushers in the draft anyways. Uh, and so I think for me, Penny Suel would be the proper pick here for the, for the, I think the way the jets are heading. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, what's really interesting about, about uh, your example there, uh, Quentin Nelson, uh, uh, according to this article here, that was by uh, made in the middle of the year. Uh, he was the number one offensive lineman, according yeah. to the PFF standards. So, you're absolutely right, and and I think we talked about this uh, uh, in previous episodes. It's great to go out and get skilled players, but uh, if you don't win the war in the trenches and if you don't have a nasty uh, uh, front five linemen or, or front four uh, defensive linemen, yeah. it's going to be hard to win games in the NFL, and it's going to be hard to pass up on a talent like Naysuel. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you already have what looks like a pretty solid left tackle to begin with, you might be able to move some things around because Penny yeah. Sewell, after watching tape, is very athletic. It seems like he can move really well in, in any position, and uh, he's a great pass blocker and also a great run blocker, and then he can get yeah. to the second level uh, really quickly. So uh, we'll have to kind of see what they do. I also think in that division it's very important to have a strong offensive line because the Bills have a blitz-heavy defense. The Patriots and the Dolphins both run that 3-5 blitz-heavy defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so well, – I shouldn't say blitz, but they bring five a solid amount of times. Uh, yeah. And so I think it's very important to stock up on uh, that offensive line for the Jets. Just give Sam Darnold the, 
the help that he really needs because they drafted Denzel Mims last year uh, in the second round. They have, what is it, Brashard Perriman? Uh, Uh, I believe so. They they have some good wide receivers. Um, Chris Herndon is a good tight end um, when he's on the field, if he can stay healthy. So I think they have good offensive pieces. I think they just need to protect Sam Darnold. Let him be able to take those five-step drops and really be able to let the ball rip and not be worried about getting slammed into the ground 12, 15 times a game. Yeah. Well, and he really is. One of the things that's very interesting too about Sam Darnold is, is he is pretty solid at improvising. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, one of the uh, um, great things about Russell Wilson, for example, is his ability to, to get out of the pocket and, and to keep plays going. And Sam Darnold, when uh, he does need to move around, is able to improvise and, and uh, make some throws that you wouldn't expect him to make. And so he, he does have that potential. I, I absolutely I, I, uh, agree with you on that. And I know the, the NFL is all about uh, what are you doing for me now? And, and let's look at your record. And, and um, it's a very results oriented league, but Sam Donald, I definitely think is someone that could turn that franchise around, especially in, in a division that, um, it's starting to get a lot tougher as well. The Bills look yeah. like they're there to stay, and Miami, I think, is only Miami and um, uh, New England are only going to get better. Well, Miami fi- might fall off a little bit, depends on how Tua turns out, but New England is only going to get yeah. better. And you know, with Bill Belichick as the coach, uh, he's going to do really well. Yeah. And uh, again, I think they need to build up that offensive line, protect their investment they have in Sam Darnold. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can get those defensive players in the second round that can really help your franchise. Yeah, so. yeah. There, the Jets are definitely uh, wouldn't really say in like a full full blown rebuild, but but definitely going to try and add some pieces. Almost kind of continue the rebuild that it feels like they've been in for a really long time. And um, it's going to be one of the things that Arthur Smith uh, is going to have to consider as well with the Falcons. As a new head coach, the Falcons are a very interesting team. Uh, mm. They went four and twelve this past year, and went zero and eight in uh, games uh, that were decided by one score or less. So the four and twelve record for the Falcons are very deceiving. And I think bringing in an offensive-minded coach like Arthur Smith uh, is going to help them out in the long run. Mm. And I'm very curious to kind of see how he helps uh, that uh, Atlanta offense put up some more points because there was a night and day difference between the Tennessee Titans red zone offense and the Atlanta Falcons red zone offense. Part of that was due to scheming uh, yeah. because the Falcons absolutely have the talent uh, to put up 30 plus points a game uh, every single weekend. And that's uh, one of the interesting things to me about this hire is the Falcons for so long have been a high flying. I mean, Matt Ryan, I think has put up 4,000 or 4,500 yards every year but two or three in his career Mm -hmm. uh you guys have very good wide receivers Hayden Hurst in my opinion is an underrated tight end he was a first round pick by the Ravens a few years ago yeah and I it will be interesting to see how Arthur Smith can come in because he did run a very run heavy offense in Tennessee yeah Mm -hmm. and so that that's interesting to me uh, in what way I think the Falcons are trying to go as Matt Ryan gets in the latter years of his career. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, sorry to interrupt, uh, especially with the lack of depth and talent at the running back position. I know you guys just signed Todd Gurley, uh, but uh, I mean, 
his knee just is not there anymore. Yeah, well, and and uh, thankfully that was just a one-year contract, and and nothing against mm-hmm. uh, Todd Gurley. He's done a lot for the state of Georgia, uh, and, and 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 has had a respectable uh, NFL career. It seems like injuries are starting to slow him down a little bit. But the issue with the Falcons' running game, I think, is is uh, really two things. I think uh, a lack. Well, one, I think uh, a poor scheme design, which is uh, what they haven't had, uh, or, uh, which is what they didn't have when Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. Uh, they were very balanced. Uh, uh, they were very balanced offense. You didn't know if they were going to run the ball, throw the ball. There's a lot of motion. Uh, Matt Ryan could throw it to every re- receiver on the field. I think that year, if I remember correctly, Matt Ryan threw touchdowns to 11 different receivers. Uh, that season with Kyle Shanahan, yeah, and uh, ever since he's he's left, and the two offensive coordinators that they've had since uh, Steve Sarkeesian and Dirk uh, Cutter, it just hasn't. It, it's just become too predictable. They uh, have had poor scheming, and it's been predictable uh, when they're going to run on running downs, when they're going to throw on throwing downs, and it's been mm-hmm. easy. You can tell it's easy to play against them, uh, yeah. and uh, I think Arthur Smith just after looking at tape and seeing reports and just looking at the stats and uh, living in Nashville and watching the Titans uh, every single day, I think, uh, well, not every single day, every Sunday, most Sundays. How about that? <laughs> um, yeah. He, he's going to help bring them in, in an extra dynamic that the Falcons offense has been missing. And I think he's going to become very creative because he's going to have a lot of weapons with uh, Julio Jones Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, as you mentioned, yeah. uh, Russell Gage, Matt Ryan still, maybe he's not in the prime of his career, but I'm looking at his stats. He threw for 4,500 yards this year. He had the uh, fourth most passing yards. Threw for He did throw for only 26 touchdowns. I think part of that was due to the scheming, and he did yeah. throw for 11 interceptions. Well, in uh, the lack of uh, red zone success on the Falcons' behalf. Lack of red zone success is definitely going to play a part of that. And uh, he did throw 11 interceptions, so you want to you see – that's uh number lower uh, obviously mm-hmm. but definitely in some of those with the lack of scheming lack of protection which is the second reason why the falcons haven't really been able to run the ball super well as their offensive line hasn't been uh up to par um mm-hmm. it, i think that this is a after thinking about it more i really like this pick uh, uh as a head coach i'm very curious to see how he does uh, uh in his first year and i also think that they just uh uh, hired their new general manager, uh, Ed Terry Fontenot. Yeah, he spent 18 years with the Saints. And yeah. the Saints have always seemed like they've, they've found the right guys in free agency, uh, has really drafted well. And I think yeah. that this is, that's also a good hire, and they're going to be a good combination with each other. Mm-hmm. Who do you think that they're going to draft in the, at this uh, at the number four spot? So uh, I've been going back and forth over these past couple of days on what they're going to do. And – uh, Terry Fonon, even uh, today, uh, if I'm doing a little bit of speculation, but but in, in his introduction uh, meeting uh, to the Falcons, he, he has the philosophy of, of picking the best player available no matter what, uh, and he doesn't have the, uh, according to, to what he was saying, that he doesn't have, I guess, the, uh, uh, we need to fill a need. And so let's hire the free agency and you draft the best player. Yeah, which is something that yeah. Thomas Dimitrov, the former GM for the Falcons, that uh, he did that. He always tried to uh, pick the best player that fit their need that they might help, mm-hmm. which might not be the best player at that time. Uh, Tackers, McKinley, Vic Beasley, they all uh, Falcons all needed uh, 
uh, ever since Dan Quinn became head coach, needed uh, defensive uh, edge, rusher, uh, edge rushers. And the only time that – the only season out of all those uh, defensive line first-round picks that they had was Vic Beasley's 14-sack uh, mm. season uh, when they went to the Super Bowl. Other than that, their pass rushing has been uh, abysmal and their draft prospects haven't done well. So it's going to be interesting to see who they pick uh, um, their, uh, with their uh, fourth pick overall. I do still think it is a possibility that they trade down, mm-hmm. not more because they're good on uh, their positions. Uh, they're good on a lot of their uh, positions and, and, and don't read too many vacancies. It's more because I think they need a lot of help. And if they trade with a team who's really looking for a quarterback, because there's a lot of teams right behind them that could potentially give up a 2022 first round pick, which would be huge for the Falcons and also mm-hmm. some extra draft capital in this class that might help out the coaching staff. Uh, if they're willing to, to drop back a couple of spots uh, uh, and not, if they decide that they're not going to take a quarterback and uh, they want to maybe go more of a defensive route, maybe pick a player in uh, the nine to 13 range, some of the teams that are in there, uh, the Broncos, yeah. Cowboys, Jets, Chargers, all those teams are looking for offensive linemen. All those teams are potentially looking for a quarterback as well, except for the Chargers. The Chargers, if they trade with the Chargers, they would absolutely be looking uh, to potentially draft Panay Suell. Um, and falling that far back could bring in a lot of picks for the Falcons. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what they decide. Uh, there's a lot of experience in that GM office, uh, uh, in the GM office. And uh, Terry Fontenot, I think, is going to do really well with the pieces that are already there in Atlanta. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they decide with the draft. So I think we're going to find out a lot about how the Falcons feel about Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, if they trade back or not. Um, Yeah. Those are the only two picks that I could really see them making right there. Yeah. Yeah. I've been trying. I've been trying to see uh, if they potentially pick Panay Suell. Uh, if he drops back that far. Um, yeah. But, and the only reason why they might is, is looking like, uh, just based off rumors and, and just based off the cap scenario for the Falcons, that they might cut James Carpenter, their left guard. And mm-hmm. Panay Suell, I, I believe, can come in at left guard uh, and yeah. play. He can play uh, all five positions on the line. Yeah, uh, maybe not center. Uh, uh, um, I don't know if he's had experience with that. but I, I want to say he played a little bit of center – when people got hurt in, in college, but I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Okay. He's athletic enough. He could learn it. He could absolutely learn it. Yeah. And so, so, but there are so many teams though, that could use a Panay well, even the Bengals who are in the fifth pick could potentially give up a couple of picks just so they could pick Panay well to keep Joe mm-hmm. Burrow healthy. That mm-hmm. if the Falcons, if they're not, truly excited about Justin Fields or, or um, Zach Wilson. It's also very possible that they might not be there by the fourth pick. Teams might trade up. And if they don't want to take Trey Lance um, or uh, I don't, I don't think Mac Jones is, is, is going to be ranked high enough that they might trade back. So someone who gives them the best pick offer uh, can uh I guess draft Panay Sewell and they bring in a lot of picks, most likely a 2022 first round pick, depending on how far back they go. Yeah. Uh, I, I could see a team like new England, maybe if they feel really strongly about Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, um, like you said, San Francisco, um, Denver, mm-hmm. 
those teams could really use someone. I don't think that the Falcons are going to trade back, though. You don't think so? No, I think there. I think they will draft a quarterback of the future, mm-hmm. uh, and then they'll store him a year or two for the future. Yeah, because I I think Justin Fields and Zach Wilson right now. Justin Fields is the storyline, and I think Zach Fields is just a, Zach Fields. Zach Wilson uh, is the slightly better quarterback. I think he just he the way he moves his arm has changes his arm angle to make different passes. I think he has more things to work with but they both still just make mistakes and I think if you could bring in one of those young guns and put them behind Matt Ryan for a year or two and let him finish out his time in Atlanta yeah I I mean I think you have another 10-12 years with a franchise quarterback again and then uh I mean then the Falcons would be set at that position yeah yeah and it it kind of turns into a little bit of philosophical debate because if if we were uh, maybe if we were in, say, the Carolina Panthers position uh, uh, to somewhere even to, to the New England Patriots position, if one of these quarterbacks drops back this far, absolutely. Because the, because I think there is an argument to be made where uh, uh, that a pick at the seventh or eighth pick or later, you know, it, it's okay for them to sit a year. Oh, something mm-hmm. with the fourth pick. I feel like these are kind of the kind of players that you want to to, to really have have an immediate uh, impact uh, um, uh, on the team's success. And but like yeah. uh, like I know Trace Young is, is a generational talent coming out, and but he transformed that Washington uh, defensive front into one of the best defensive fronts uh, mm-hmm. in the league. And yeah. when you're, I think when you're picking in a top four spot like that. Uh, I, th- I think that's I think that's a player a type of player that you're really going to want to have uh, compared yeah. to if you are picking eighth ninth or tenth or a little bit later maybe that they could stay the year or something like that. But, True. And like I also said, think the Falcons are one of those teams that don't necessarily need a lot. I think they just need to be coached a little bit better and close out games. And I, and they're there because the offense is there and you have the defensive talent. It was just more tying it all together and playing as a team and not quitting yeah. after the third quarter. Well, and that's absolutely it. With if if they think that they're going to have uh, the what's the right word? Uh, I, I guess the, all the talent that uh, they need right now, and then want to help build up some of the other pieces, like uh, for the more foundational pieces, like the offensive line, edge rushers, uh, maybe get another cornerback, and they want to trade back. So to say, like, like, there's a couple of good, really good cornerbacks that are going to be there in the nine to thirteen spot, and there's also there's going to be some for their uh, second round pick as well. So they have a lot of options uh, to where they can go after the player that they really want to have. And there's not, I really don't think that there's going to be a wrong decision that the Falcons do. The Falcons no. trade back five spots, but get four or five picks out of it, and. Uh, one of them potentially being the first round pick next year. That gives mm-hmm. them a lot of flexibility. If they go with Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, the Falcons fans and myself are going to be absolutely fine with that. And yeah. so, but it, here, here's one. It, uh, uh, here's the reason why I'm saying that though. If we just go back and look at the last year's draft, first pick Joe Burrow, second pick Trace, uh, uh, Chase Young, third pick uh, Jeff uh, Okuda, fourth pick Andrew Thompson, the tackle uh, for the Giants, fifth pick Tua, sixth pick uh, Justin, uh, seventh pick Derek Brown, and then eighth pick uh, Isaiah Simmons with the Cardinals. Isaiah Simmons is the first one where I, I would need to go back and check to see the kind of year that he had. But all those guys there were immediate impacts 
uh, for. But the Chargers didn't draft Justin or uh, Justin Herbert to start. The only reason why Justin Herbert actually even played, and I think it was week two, was because the doctor punctured. Uh, oh, what's what's his name? Um, uh, Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, the only reason why Justin Herbert played in week two was because the doctor punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung uh, mm-hmm. with a needle. Yeah. On action. No, and, on action. Uh, and that's a really good point. But Tyrod Taylor was a one-year stopgap, like one-year yeah. guaranteed. And so with Matt Ryan, though, it's, it's uncertain on how – he still has three years left in his contract. And mm-hmm. he can very well keep producing. We don't know how age is going to affect his ability. Yeah. If you're Tom Brady, it hasn't really affected your ability that much. If you're Ben Roethlisberger, it has. Even though I think, I think one it keeps himself a little bit healthier than the other. I won't say who. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. You know what I mean. But Justin Herbert, though, still, uh, if you look at the season, so I actually I didn't even know that. So Justin Herbert only played in 15 games this year because so. just so the immediate impact that Justin Her- Herbert was able to have, he was the sixth. Uh, he had the sixth most most passing yards in the league. And so mm-hmm. he would have, he could have easily been third or fourth above Matt Ryan or Tom Brady, even if he played a full season. So he did come in and have an immediate impact and uh, on the certain timeline have the, he was going to be the starter in his second year, kind of like a Patrick Mahomes uh, type yeah. of deal. So with the Falcons though, they don't have that flexibility with the cap space uh, that neither of those teams have with that example. So that's why it's really interesting to see, where the like what the Falcons do because they have so many options uh, that really isn't a bad option. I think the only bad option is if you is if they pick a defensive player with the fourth pick. I think that is I think yeah. that is a bad option. A, we talked about this earlier in the episode. There's just not a lot of defensive talent at the top edge or, or at the top of the draft. Yeah, yeah, uh, I absolutely agree, and and I think that's why like uh, people saying that they're going to pick uh, Gregory Rousseau with the fourth pick, I think it, that's a horrible decision. Not yeah. saying I don't think he's going to be a great player, but uh, just according to my uh, li- little list that I've made right here, the top 10 guys uh, that are on my list are all offensive players. And I think yeah. you have to pick an offensive player until you get to around the ninth or 10th, because that's just where the most value or ret- immediate value return that you're going to get mm-hmm. uh, from these guys. Mm-hmm. So, right. uh, and yeah, and I think, I think there's kind of, there, there was one more coach, uh, a coach hiring with the Los uh, Angeles Chargers, speaking of the Chargers, uh, but uh, uh, Brandon Staley was picked, uh, the former defensive coordinator, which is kind of a shocking pick. I feel, people felt like this came out of nowhere, but I don't really, I haven't looked into it enough really to see uh, He's how a young guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I'm very curious about this decision. But many people were expecting him to – were expecting the Chargers to draft an offensive guru guy um, to kind of come in and develop Justin Herbert. But Brandon Staley could just hire somebody – like hire an offensive coordinator uh, that could do it. Um, but he has been with the Rams for a decent amount of time, and he worked under uh, Wade Phillips for most of that time. So I think it's an interesting hire. Um, it – it's not as confusing as the Cliff Kingsbury hire from a few years ago, but hopefully it works out the same. I mean, the Cardinals have been better than they were before. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it's going to be really interesting too, especially with how potent that offense is. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
at, at the end of the season. And Justin Herbert, as I said, it was six in passing yards on a shortened season compared to everyone else. Uh, yeah. And uh, who, uh, who knows what they'll see. It's very interesting as well, bringing in uh, uh, the Rams defensive coordinator as the Rams had the best defense possible. So maybe if that's uh, what they think uh, they need moving forward and, and they're going to bring a, a Kyle Shanahan-like offensive coordinator that can just yeah. take the offense to an absolutely even uh, crazier level than, than what it was yeah. this past year. It's going to be really interesting uh, uh, to kind of see how they move forward and who they pick. This one, uh, going to need to take a little bit more digging into, I think, as uh, as the audience uh, might be able to tell, as, as this one happened, I think, the other day. If I, Yeah, I, it, just, it just happened, what, two days ago? Day and a half ago, really? Yeah, um, yeah. And I don't even think he was on people's interview radar. I think it just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, it was kind of – like, it was just a hire. Like, I don't know. It, people weren't upset about it, but they weren't happy about it. They were just kind of like, eh, like, who is this? Who is this guy? Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's going to be uh, very interesting to see where they move forward. But if he's able to make that defense, I, I would say even just a medium uh, average defense mm-hmm. uh, in that division with uh, the Chiefs uh, and the Las Vegas Raiders moving forward. Because the Las Vegas Raiders are – uh, uh, um, are on the up and up. They're starting to get uh, John Gruden system kind of under their belt, moving things forward. They had a lot of good games last year, and then obviously a lot of bad games, which is why they didn't make the playoffs. And so, um, but because really that as the Chargers' uh, last big thing is going to be just uh, inc- helping that defense out as well as. Yeah, sorry, yeah, it's on our notes, but helping that defense out as as well as getting some offensive line help uh, for Justin mm-hmm. Herbert and uh, give well, him even more time to throw to all the weapons that they have. Well, that's so they drafted Kenneth Murray last year. Uh, he's kind of an inside linebacker. Um, I could see them going for a defensive back or maybe an edge rusher in this draft. There's not a whole lot of needs uh, that they really need on the offensive side. Maybe a few offensive linemen. And Hunter Henry is expected to leave in free agency, so tight end. Um, yeah. But they have Austin Eckler in the backfield. Uh, Joshua Kelly is somebody that they took in the third or fourth round last year. Uh, so they they have decent weapons already. Um, and the only tight end I would really think that they would pick would be Kyle Pitts, but I expect him to be gone by the 13th pick. Yeah. Um, so maybe a corner or Gregory Rousseau or Quiddy Page out of Michigan would be somebody that I would expect uh, the Los Angeles Chargers to take. Yeah, so one of the things uh, – uh, I, I know I mentioned this earlier with the potential trade with the Falcons uh, trying to get Panay Sewell, but the Chargers, according to the PFF uh, rankings, had the worst offensive line. Uh, oh, they did? The yeah. So oh. so it's definitely going to – with the depth of this year's uh, – um, uh, offensive line, particularly uh, in the offensive tackle. They're probably going to want to be looking for uh, some offensive line help at mm-hmm. some point. Uh, I can see an Alex Leatherwood or a Rayshon Slater pick then, uh, an yeah. offensive tackle, uh, specifically left tackles. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Alex Leatherwood won the award. He was the best – rated the best tackle in the country. But yeah. they, have a, they have a few guys ahead of him that I don't necessarily quite – Well, they, they have uh, – uh, Christian Darrisaw with Virginia Tech right now, uh, according to uh, 
my list has it now, is a second-rated offensive tackle. Rayshon Slater with Northwestern uh, could also mm-hmm. be the second. Uh, Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan also could be as well. Like, th- there's a lot of options, especially yeah. then when you get to just the overall draft prospect. It, it uh, sounds like last year uh, when they had they had like the top five offensive tackles. Uh, but it was kind of just like a pick them. It, it was just like pick which one fits your screen, your scheme. You have a power run game. You get this guy. If you want to drop back and pass more, you get that yeah. one. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see whichever one uh, the Chargers decide to take if they pick an offensive tackle. Um, but there is that is that is a loaded position this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's going to be. Uh, 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 Brandon Staley is going to have a lot of, of options to kind of go with. And it, it maybe even potentially, uh, depending on who their office coordinator is that, that comes in, uh, might have a little bit more say on – or will have a bigger voice on what they do in the first mm-hmm. round. Uh, maybe they do go with the best available player, as there's also going to be several cornerbacks that, that are in that slot. Or maybe if they do want to get some defensive line help to help build up that defense, uh, it's something that Brandon Staley is going to want to uh, – um, half Mm -hmm. but that's i i think it's interesting i think the chargers like the falcons have a lot of different options that they can go with um it really just kind of depends on who they have on the top of their big board uh what players are still there uh they could trade back if nobody takes a tackle uh early um or if they're not really big on anybody left or if kyle kyle pitts is around around like nine or ten uh, they could maybe make a move up and draft a tight end to replace Hunter Henry if he leaves in free agency. So mm-hmm. I think they have a lot of options uh, as well. And yeah. I, I think it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think it'll be very inter- uh, interesting to see. Of these four teams, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, I could absolutely see being the team uh, that makes the playoffs next year just with all the talent that they have uh, on the offensive side. Uh, very uh, as long as Brandon Staley is able to improve that defense uh, and, and is a solid head coach, they should make the playoffs next year, especially if they go to eight teams uh, mm-hmm. uh, per conference. Because and people forget two years ago, that defense was top 10 in the league because they have two elite pass rushers in uh, Melvin Ingram and Joe. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I did forget about that. Well, well, then maybe then with that being said, that, that it's uh, um, – Brandon Staley is going to come in and think that we're fine on offense. Let, let's get our our lockdown left tackle, you know, yeah. for for the next ten years. Well, they could get out. also to a guy that I'm that I really like is Patrick Sertan out of Alabama. I yep. think he can come in and make a difference on an NFL roster right away. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and so with with uh, those two names you met, just mentioned right there, uh, to bring in a great pass rush uh, with a potential lockdown corner as well. Mm-hmm. I think that that's going to be. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, a great combination on that defensive side that they decide to go defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so speaking right. speaking of uh, Brandon Staley, the Rams lost to the Packers on uh, Saturday in actually what was a closer game than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. De- it uh, it was much closer than people thought it would, but the outcome was still the same that, that everyone thought it would. Uh, that, that, that Packers offense is just too good. Uh, 
perfect example of, of just the way that they're able to manufacture yards and points. Mm-hmm. That's the, uh, the one yard touchdown pass uh, to, to Devontae Adams. Jalen yeah. Ramsey uh, is probably the best cornerback in the league, but even mm-hmm. then, Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur just know how to create space for their uh, star players. Yeah. And getting Devontae Adams in motion like that just caused havoc for the defense and. Well, that play was not Jalen Ramsey's fault. The yeah. so when you when you run those, the outside corner is supposed to go with the guy uh, that's uh, in motion to the outside, and then the corner coming across is supposed to cover the uh, the receiver that the outside corner was covering. And yeah. so when you watch it, they just didn't switch, and Jalen or not Jalen, uh, Devontae Adams got a uh, wide open. Yeah, yeah, and 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 then and it's absolutely right. And they cause motions like that. They make the defense have to make a play or mm-hmm. the right play. And they just did that all. Um, they just they just did that all game. And it's gonna be one of the things that uh, they're uh, probably gonna need to look into in the off season. Is just how how do they put up more points? Uh, how yeah. can they? Because they they have the lockdown defense that they need. It, it'll be interesting to see how they do without Brandon Staley, their defensive coordinator there, mm-hmm. but. It'll be very interesting to see uh, kind of what they go move forward uh, into the offseason. When you're watching that game now and now that the Rams season is over, what do you think they needed uh, to maybe make a difference in this game? Um, They needed a bigger threat on the outside. Uh, to me, Robert Woods is a very good receiver. Van Jefferson is a good rookie wide receiver. But uh, they they traded Brandon Cooks this past offseason. And that offense to me really lacked – over the top like an over the top threat um and they just they didn't really have that um it like anywhere else yeah and so to me i think their offense kind of became one-dimensional um and then jared goff hurting his hand i think made it even more one-dimensional and i think they tried to make goff throw it more Mm -hmm. um and so i don't know i mean like you said they have it on the defensive side they're a little weak at the linebacker position um, but everywhere else, I mean, like you said, Jalen Ramsey is an elite corner, uh, and they're, that defensive front is just unbelievable with Aaron Donald. Uh, that's the only name you need up front, honestly. Is Aaron oh, Donald. yeah, he's going to bring so much attention that yeah. it is like, it, he makes the other guys around him better because he, yeah. he forces double teams and he's still able to get through it and provide pressure. He locks yeah. down the run game, so it, it kind of makes the offense a little bit more uh, one-dimensional. But uh, I, I couldn't agree with you anymore uh, uh, on that decision. That was actually – you are going to take the words right out of my mouth, uh, or you did take the words right out of my mouth, so to say. Yeah. The, I- the, the issue with the Rams moving forward is they don't have a first-round pick, so they're not going to be making yeah. a pick. And they only have four picks total uh, in this yeah. draft. So they have not- a decent amount of cap space this in the offseason, though. So that that would be interesting to see what they do with that, who they can go after. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't think there are a ton of big uh, wide receivers uh, coming up in the draft. Maybe they could trade for one. Um, although I, I don't know necessarily know if they have a lot of trade capital. So, uh, receiver in the draft wise, th- there's going to be plenty of options mm-hmm. uh, uh, when it does come uh, when it does get to them in around the fiftieth uh, range if they don't make any trades moving forward or anything like that. Um, but uh, in the off season, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens because in most uh, seasons, the, the the cap space has has increased a little bit every year, allowing mm-hmm. for more 
for more cap space. But this year, though, uh, about half the teams, um, or maybe not half the teams, but, but maybe about 10 of the teams are projected to be already at the cap space or above it. So p- teams will be having to make cuts and potentially not signing certain players. So it will be interesting to see what skilled players are available. Uh, There's 12 it, teams that are under the cap already. Uh, that, that are under the cap. And is that at the projected of $175 million, uh cap space? Um. It doesn't say so. It's a little bit different for each market. Like uh, more expensive, like like Buffalo has 176 projected, but New the Giants have 192 million projected. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's going to be projected on different ones. But the issue is going to be yeah. normally every year the cap space uh, increases and, and teams prepare for that uh, yeah, yeah. cap space. Uh, however, though, with COVID and everything, and teams not being able to bring in revenue, there's a there's a loss of revenue, uh, and and so if it went as without the NFL intervening and and just just making the cap space flat for this year, just keeping it around 195 million, yeah. uh, there would be a huge dip, and a lot of teams are going to make cuts. But even then, though, if the NFL decides let's keep it flat at about 195, 198 million, mm-hmm. certain teams like the Falcons, for example, are going to have to make cuts. Uh, and uh, there's several yeah. other teams as well. So uh, it'd be interesting to see who they cut and if they will uh, be wanting to see, um, uh, what was I going to say, uh, if they will be uh, able to sign any of those cut players. Trades are also an option as well. Uh, Lions uh, is a perfect example of a lot of receiver space, a lot of receivers, but it looks like they might be on their final year. So mm-hmm. maybe potential trades or players will get cut and they can pick them up. Yeah. So I, I think that's interesting. I think they need offensive linemen too. Uh, Andrew Whitworth is their offensive tackle. Uh, he's getting older. Um, and I know they had some injuries up there this year. So it'll just be interesting to see what the Rams do. I think there they could be a few players away though from being 12 and four, uh, 13 and three, and possibly, I mean, still being in the mix of things. Yeah. I think they have that talent and Sean McVay has proven that he can get to the Super Bowl already. Uh, and so yeah. I think they're an interesting team to look out for. Yeah. Uh, I will, I will be curious to, to see what they do in the off season with only these four uh, NFL picks. Cause you're right. The talent is there. There might be a couple of uh, extra offensive pieces, uh, that they might want to, uh, add or will need to add. Um, because defensively, obviously they're there. And that's another reason kind of when they went to the Super Bowl, they were able to ride a really good defense with the offense that was clicking. And so their offense hasn't really clicked since then. So uh, very mm-hmm. curious to see where Sean McVay uh, and the Rams go. Yeah. So, uh, And similar to the Rams, definitely the Ravens are going to be another team. The Ravens and the Rams are pretty similar, actually. Mm-hmm. And the Ravens also ended up losing and uh, are going to be going into the offseason, in my opinion, uh, looking for uh, some outside threats because they have Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins as their quarterback-running back combo. And the defense – it's pretty solid. Uh, there not too many complaints. Uh, I yeah. know I mentioned, uh, uh, I think an episode or two ago when the Ravens beat the Titans, that that defensive line was the MVP, and, and that front seven was able to keep everything in check. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, actually I slightly disagree that the Ravens don't have a deep threat. I think Marquise Brown is a pretty good deep threat, and he's good at taking the top off the defenses. 
I don't think they have anyone else besides Mark Andrews that can consistently run routes and create separation off of breaks. So they'd have nobody in the five to 10 yard range that can really be a threat to keep the defenses actually down on yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause Marquise Brown is just, I mean, he's getting double covered by the safety and then well, teams are very willing to give Willie Sneed one-on-one coverage. Uh, and then they, they're doubling Mark Andrews and Des Bryant is like 34 now. He's not going to do anything. Now, uh, Des Bryant is a great story. If it wasn't for yeah. Alex Smith, he'd probably be comeback player of the year. But yeah, uh, I, I agree uh, completely. Marquise Brown was really the only guy I felt like against the Bills that was a threat uh, to, to put points up on the board. Yeah. Um, and so uh, they're going to be picking in, in the mid, 20, mid to late 20s. So uh, there will be some receiver options there. Uh, Baltimore, how many picks do they have? Actually, let me see here. Uh, Baltimore has six picks. Uh, so first, second, and the fourth rounder. Uh, so some potential uh, uh, receiving routes, uh, uh, receiver routes that they could go. I think that that probably be uh, as of right now uh, mm-hmm. one of the top two things uh, that they need uh, yeah. to help them get past that next step. Yeah, but I think they again like the Rams. They have good pieces, and I, that defense is very good with Marlon Humphreys and Marcus Peters, Calais Campbell up front, Unique and Gawkway on the edge. Uh, yeah. They have good pieces. I think they just need like those filler, like those role players to come in, uh, and they need the guys that can catch those ten yard balls and catch the the out routes uh and yeah. do and do some of like the dirty work uh that they don't necessarily have yet absolutely need guys to be able to go and, and create space because lamar jackson is obviously a great dual threat quarterback i don't think yeah. he's the most accurate passer but he's still he's still an elite uh, he's such an elite runner that he can make up for it yeah and if you can get a guy that can also get space similar to how marquise brown can where lamar jackson throws it up and marquise brown goes and gets it if you can have someone like that in a slot that is also able to go and do that, then then that now now the Ravens are talking as a legit threat uh, uh, to score on on every single possession. But like just this year and in the playoffs, it's just some some possessions felt like a three and out kind of possession, you know, where they just couldn't get yeah. things going. Uh, the the and, whole Bills Ravens game felt like a three and out possession. Well, I think that I think that game was much. Uh, bigger disparity between the two teams and the final score recognized. Both teams did miss field goals in the beginning, but the Bills missed some big opportunities to just yeah. immediately put points up on the board. Well, While the, Ravens, so the, the Ravens, Ravens, for example, yeah. on that uh, on that pick six uh, yeah. that they threw, that was a nine minute drive, you know, and the, yeah. and it, the Ravens seem like they just don't have that ability to to score in four minutes. Or, or, or to do a two-minute drill, you know well, what I mean? Okay, so if, you th- if you look at the two-minute drill uh, that they did right after Lamar Jackson got hurt, um, I forget the guy's name that came in after him. Tyler Huntley? Yeah. Taylor Huntley. Huntley. Uh, yeah, we'll call him Huntley. Um, Huntley came in, and he missed Marquise Brown on what would have been a for-sure walk-in touchdown. Yeah. Uh, and so, they, I mean, they have that big playability, but those – nine minute drives i mean lamar jackson has to be spectacular uh like so it's just kind of they need those guys that can just make some of those plays to just on third down to just get them the first down uh yeah. and i think they, they lacked 
true playmakers, uh, even though they have guys like Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, they just yeah. need like, a few more. Well, so the one thing about that play specifically that you're talking about, I think, I think it surprised everybody, which is why Marquise Brown was so open because mm-hmm. it was it was a fourth and three, I believe. So everyone was expecting. Oh, it was a fourth and one. So everyone, I, they probably were defending the run. If not, maybe a short hitch route or, or a short slant route. So I think that's why he had extra space there uh, because it was a surprise play call and a surprise decision. Yeah. Most every other play, though, the Ravens don't seem like they have that, and they need to have that threat on the other side of the ball of Marquise Brown. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so, – oh, Well, then I was going to say, and, and it's the uh, – those are pretty much kind of covered up the Saturday games and, and mm-hmm. the losing teams and the – I would say almost the exact opposite for uh, the losing team for for the Browns uh, yeah. in that game. They have all the offensive weapons there. They have the, according to the PFF, the best offensive line. Uh, when, Browns when healthy. Say it again. Win healthy. Win healthy, absolutely. Yeah, they definitely got hit hit by the injury bug there with their offensive line, and they. De- I definitely thought that they. Uh, could have eat, could have won that game. It was definitely back and forth if it wasn't for the fumble in the end. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, one of the issues, though, and it, it is the Chiefs' offense, are arguably one of the best offenses in the league. But uh, well, they're going to need some defensive help, I believe, going forward. Yeah, um, I still think they're young. Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams are young on that secondary. Uh, and who's their safety? <sighs> Good question. Maybe they'll uh, draft one here. <laughs> yeah. I, just because I know that they lack that big over-the-top help. Um, and Olivia Vernon getting hurt really kind of threw that defensive line off because Miles Garrett now became the sole pass rusher for the Browns. Well, and Miles Garrett was also banged up too. He could only yeah. really come on pass rushing plays. And that to me was – I think if the Browns are healthy going into this game, if the Browns and the Chiefs were equally healthy, I think the the Browns ha- would have come out victorious in this game. Yeah, I definitely think it would have been a back-and-forth type game. The, the Chiefs took control early. I think uh, the Browns uh, were trying to adjust uh, their, their game plan a little bit, which they ended up doing. It also helped that uh, Mahomes uh, mm-hmm. ended up going out uh, due to a concussion. Yeah. But, uh, I agree. They they have the offensive weapons there, and I think if they can bolster up uh, uh, their defense a little bit, they did lose several corners. Joe Hayden, uh, I think it was this off season or last off off season though, but as a, a great corner. Oh, but but still uh, losing him though, uh, they would have loved to have have Joe Hayden there line up against uh, Tyreek Hill. Um, but then um, it, it's tough to match up though against Travis Kelsey as well. He's just an absolute. Uh, matchup nightmare for for defenses and uh maybe some help in the linebacker uh, interior uh, as well to, to, uh, to maybe help stop the run uh will also would also be something that they look at uh improving but next year there uh is odell beckham still going to be under contract with them i'm not sure do they want him to be though is well, the question. depending on how much he costs if he's able to provide another weapon outside of Jarvis Landry, you know, on the other side of the ball, kind of like what we were talking about with the Ravens. Uh, 
and as long as he's not a distraction in the locker room. Uh, but they they have uh, Austin Hooper. Uh, uh, who's the other tight end? Uh, Ninjoku. David Njoku, uh, Richard Higgins, uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, who's a rookie. Um, they have I a mean, ton of weapons. They do have a lot of weapons, and actually, I forgot about Higgins and Peoples Jones. And maybe they don't. Uh, maybe if they have him, maybe they trade him uh, to a team like the Rams uh, uh, for some defensive pieces, maybe. And so, uh, Aaron Darnold for Odell Beckham Jr., maybe. No, I'm just kidding. That'd be. Uh, but. That'd yeah, be the worst trade ever. Yeah, yeah, that would be. Uh, but that's but that's one of the positive things though about the Browns. Uh, all their offensive linemen, I believe, are coming back and are only going to get better. Uh, mm-hmm. These offensive weapons are only going to come back and and keep improving. And that running back tandem of Cream Hunt and Nick Chubb is, is phenomenal. Absolutely, yeah, that's one of the best tandems in the league, if not the best right now. Oh, oh, uh, I don't think there. Who else is there? I don't think there is. Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray is decent, uh, just because Alvin Kamara is just a, yeah a beast. That uh, one is more. That one is more. Is Alvin Kamara so good? More than yeah, like, they, they complement each other well, though. Yeah, like Alvin uh, Kamara is better than Nick Chubb and uh, Kamara Hunt. Uh, 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 sorry, uh, Kareem Hunt. Yeah, but the 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 running back tandem do, and then they're able to come in and both be dual threat running backs out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, is night and day better than Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray coming in? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines is a really good duo. That one's a good one. That's, um, yeah, Jonathan Taylor is definitely going to improve and keep evolving as well. But but that's the thing that, that the Browns offense is pretty much set. Maybe get a little bit more offensive line help. Um, but this draft is so deep uh, – with offensive tackles that they could easily pick one up in the third or fourth round. And looking at it, they, they've got nine picks. And so they've got two third round picks and two fourth round picks. Easy. One of those could maybe even two of them could, could be offensive tackles or uh, offensive yeah. as well. So, so. I, I think the Browns have a bright future in front of them. And I also think the Browns are very happy with the se- with the season that they had. I, I don't, I don't think Browns fans are necessarily complaining. They might be upset that about the touchback rule, uh, um, but they won their first playoff game in what twenty five years. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. The, the Browns should be very happy with what they got. Um, and hopefully they can make it further next year. Well, especially too, if we're looking at the outset of this off season, also in twenty twenty two, the Browns. I, I I think the Browns are favored. I would make the Browns favored to win the AFC North. If you look at where the Ravens are at, their offense clearly struggled uh the Steelers definitely they started out hot but they were playing not like a playoff team towards the end of the year and they don't know hired Juju's Juju's status as a Steeler is in question absolutely Uh, the Bengals Joe Burrow might not be back for the start of the year it depends on how his rehab goes and even then if he is back he's not going to be the the Bengals are are still in in rebuilding mode yeah Uh, Sure. The Bengals so, are two years away from being two years away. Yeah. With with how many pieces that are returning for the Browns and the state of that that division, I can yeah. absolutely – I would bet on the Browns to host a playoff game. Could you imagine? Year. Oh, that would be great. Think about it. COVID's over, so you can have the stadium at capacity. It's in Cleveland. 
it's a playoff game in the beginning of January. Could you imagine that place is going to get torn down? And who do they play? The Baltimore Ravens. Actually, I could see that. It, Brown, Brown be a three or four, and then the Ravens be a uh, what five or six? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, 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 uh, that would you know that I think we just came up with another uh, uh, podcast episode idea. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, picking the our twenty twenty two Super Bowl champion uh, before we go into the twenty twenty one off season. Uh, I think that that would be a pretty fun episode to have, but that absolutely, I could absolutely see that happening. You know, yeah, that yeah, that, that would be insane. Yeah, I think the Ravens are going to be the second best team uh, in that division next year. Uh, this, I think the Steelers are going to drop off and probably decide to do a rebuild, uh, mm-hmm. and the Bengals are still rebuilding. So that that would be neat. That would be that would be the TV matchup of all TV matchup for. for uh, for these guys, so uh, all right. I, I think that that's. I, I'm actually very excited for that potential game. <laughs> I'm dream about it tonight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, but then that gotta kind of lead us into our final uh, loser of, of the uh, the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and. Potentially Drew Brees' last game. There's a lot of speculation about what he's going to be doing in the offseason. Uh, I am kind of leaning more towards him retiring because I've never broken a rib, but I couldn't imagine recovering from one, let alone 11, let alone being 42. 42. Yeah. yeah. I, and, the way everybody's reacting about it in the locker room leads me to believe that he is going to retire. Also with Sean Payton signing Jameis Winston – uh, in Taysom Hill, like longer, uh, kind of le- leads me to believe that Drew Brees is on his way out. Um, did they, they, did, they, they, did they extend Jameis Winston's contract? Did they? I thought he signed on for multiple years. Oh, no, I thought it was just a one year, kind of uh, like a Cam Newton type deal, like one year, one uh, or two million dollars. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, then maybe, uh, maybe I just read that sources are saying they're expected to extend Jameis Winston. Okay, okay, uh, yeah, I uh, I could absolutely see that. But I I just think I think uh, I don't know. You ever just feel like you know something? Yeah, I I know what I, you mean. Yeah. Uh, I also think too, Jameis Winston. If you uh, want to talk about. Uh, untapped potential. We were talking about Sam Darnold earlier, but Jameis Winston, if he wasn't the second overall pick behind Andrew Luck, correct? No, it was Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota. Uh, or was Jameis Winston the first? I think Jameis was first and then Mariota was second. And Mariota was second. Well, if he was the first overall pick, you would, just looking at his stats, people would consider his time at Tampa Bay not a bad not a bad yeah. career. Like he, uh, one year, I think his final year, right? He threw for fifty touch, not fifty touchdowns, uh, uh, five thousand yards. Yeah, but right. he threw thirty interceptions. Yeah, well, we don't have to talk about that part. But, uh, but <laughs> to, there, he was in a very gun happy, uh, like long shot offense where it was a high risk, high reward offense, and he would start out games very poor. 
but a lot of the time he would end up having a really good last three quarters of the game. It's just the first quarter he might throw two yeah. or three picks. Well, and and a lot of that too, you you could easily make uh, arguments for why something like that happens. Uh, and under Sean Payton and an organization like the Saints that have been mm-hmm. so successful, uh, that may, maybe it was just an organizational thing, and, and he needs to uh, just have that right coaching atmosphere mm-hmm. uh, around him. So uh, that could that could potentially be a thing, and then and that's actually going to be very interesting because one of the things I was going to lead into uh, now that you said that because I hadn't even thought about that was the Saints uh, getting a quarterback, but what. Well, but this is what I was going to say, is the Saints getting a quarterback and drafting up. But however, uh, they only have uh, they only have three picks, a first, a second, and a fourth. So uh, maybe one of the things they could go all in and trade up and maybe trade the first-round pick next year as well if they feel like Jameis Winston isn't the option. A team, a team like the Falcons uh, would – uh, well, that, that's a far way back to drop for the Falcons. Uh, that, that would be more than the first round next year. Uh, say it again. I said the Falcons would need more than the first round next year. Well, so something like if we're talking hypothetical, so the Saints are going to have the 28th pick. For the Falcons to drop that far back, they would need uh, – so the Saints have three picks this year uh, as of now. The first, mm-hmm. second, and the fourth. And I believe they're going to get uh, a Coppin uh, Centauri pick – Compensatory, a compensatory pick with uh, the Falcons actually, uh, ironically, uh, getting um, uh, their their uh, uh, assistant GM as uh, their new GM or the vice president GM, uh, if you ever it's called. Uh, they would get a third round pick, so uh, I believe they are actually going to have four picks that I know of as of now. Mm-hmm. Falcons would probably need to drop back that far. Uh, three, the first round pick for sure. Two of those other picks, if they're able to trade the compensatory pick, and at least the first round pick of next year, if not potentially a second round pick also, and maybe a first round pick for 2023. Would yeah, be, no, they would, they would like need that. a ton. Spe- also, too, especially it's a division rival. It's not like it's just some team in the AFC to the Falcons. It's yeah. somebody that they have to play twice a year. So maybe the. Only reason why maybe, and this is a complete hypothetical, is if the Falcons then could trade uh, some of their uh, some of the picks that they get from the Saints uh, for uh, a team maybe like Miami, who is 18th, who already has another pick, or maybe with the Cowboys, who uh, feel fine, uh, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I I think the Saints kind of are in a pickle just because they don't have a lot of draft capital. Uh, and I think they need a few things. I, I think they need some linebackers on defense. Uh, they need a complimentary um, receiver for Michael Thomas. They need a quarterback unless they feel like Jameis Winston is the guy, like you said. So the, I actually think of the three teams that lost uh, this past weekend, the Saints are, might be in the worst position. Uh, oh, I think, I think the, the Saints have the worst draft capital going into 2021 season. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that, like they're even worse off than the Falcons. I think they're significantly over the cap. Well, uh, not even as- that, but I just think with the talent that they have in the draft capital, uh, what's their cap space like? 
uh, going. That's what I'm looking that up now. But I, from what I remember, it is absolutely abysmal. Uh, oh, they have. They are 105 million dollars below the cap space. They're above, you mean? Or yeah, above, above. Yeah. So, they're so that's, minus, yeah, they're minus 105 million. So, uh, uh, are you looking at over the cap? I'm looking at Sport Track. Oh. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So so right now, uh, the one I'm looking at over the cap is looking like they have 276 million dollars in caps, uh, impending cap space next year. Holy yeah. cow! Uh, and so people are going to need to be cut. And I, if I'm, if I'm also not mistaken, if Drew Brees does retire, I think that that I think that turns into dead cap space for them. I would I would need to double check. But- I thought Drew Brees' contract expired. He's not on cap for next year, right? I thought he signed a two-year deal uh, uh, a a couple years ago. Well, if he signed a two-year deal a couple years ago. Right. Well, uh, um, at the beginning of this year. I I, I thought he did that. Let me me double-check here. So... 2021. He he did sign a two-year 50 mil. So, and uh, when did he sign it? Um, Cause the, the, beginning, I, the beginning of this year. So, he has a cap hit of $36 million this year. Okay. And I'd be curious to see what are the rules on if he retires? It, you, it's, not, it doesn't, it's not on the cap. It, it, oh. it goes off the cap. Oh, it does go off the cap? Yeah, like if they were to release him, they would owe him the guaranteed money. Uh, oh, if he, but if he retires, then it it's not on the cap. Okay, oh, so so then if he retires, then it, it's uh, not that big a deal then. True, but then there's still eighty million dollars over the cap. Oh, I agree, but eighty million dollars is absolutely different than a hundred million dollars because I, I mean twenty million dollars. Uh, that's a lot of veteran contracts that you yeah. can give out. Uh, just to fill out some rosters or maybe even if you want to try and get a value free agent for a couple million dollars uh, for a single season, like, like a wide receiver, so to say uh, that might be available. Yeah. No, no, no. But they, they wouldn't have that. Like, like they would still be $80 million over. Oh, they would still have to release players. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I agree that the Saints are an absolutely horrible position no matter what next year. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be very interesting to see kind of where, uh, uh, how they're able to save cap, uh, especially after they lost uh, Terry uh, Fontenot, um, who who has done a really good job with the Saints uh, for this. So the Saints, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think they're in the worst spot moving forward, especially if Drew Brees doesn't come back uh, with a potential – Shaky quarterback at Jameis Winston, or an unproven quarterback with a rookie quarterback. Uh, for so it's going to be very interesting to kind of see where they and uh, uh, end up doing this offseason, what they end up doing with their draft picks. Mm-hmm. But I, I am curious to see if Drew Brees will retire. I think it's the right decision for him at this point in his career because, as we saw against the Buccaneers, he just he did not look the same. He he, he struggled, man. He definitely looked like he is still affected by those ribs. Uh, it just seemed, it reminded me of Peyton Manning when he was with the Buccaneers, not the Buccaneers, the Broncos. Broncos yeah. Um, there was just a, only because 
we're used to seeing him just absolutely gunning the ball downfield, being able to throw those 40 yard bombs on a dime, like, 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 like without much um, like effort. And Drew Brees was doing that at the beginning of the year. I wonder if those if those ribs really affected him, and if if that definitely affected his arm strength, because that offense without that deep threat definitely had a big um, uh, um, had a big problem moving the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I also I will give credit to Tampa Bay's defense um, that yes. like, they played very well. But Drew Brees looks slow on his reads. He looks slow to get around uh, to yeah. the, the check down. I it just looked he looked like an old man out there. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 and it is sad, like you know, sad to say, you know, enough that his career is ending with with a, a, a two interception game. Three. But he, he's still though. I mean. Nothing to hang your head at over his career that he had. If he does end up retiring, he's a a first ballot Hall of Famer for sure. Oh, hands down, absolutely hands down. Uh, uh, And and so, if if you are the Saints, if you're the accountant for the Saints, you're maybe hoping that uh, he retires because that Mm -hmm. will save much much needed cap space going into this off season. Yeah. uh, it, it will be very interesting to kind of see where they uh, end up going. It, based off these numbers, you know, they're definitely in a win now uh, when uh, when they push all this cap space back to uh, this 2021 offseason. Uh, mm-hmm. So very curious to kind of see uh, who they end up cutting and how they end up uh, making cap space because I don't know if they're going to be able to restructure deals enough Um uh, because it seems like maybe they've already restructured all of these deals uh, mm-hmm. as much as they could, and I don't yeah. know who they're going to be able to. I need to take a deeper look. Uh, um, yeah, I th- they're going to have to get rid of some pieces. Um, like I don't know if Emmanuel Sanders will be around. Uh, Cam Jordan is an interesting one because I think some people need edge rushers, and I think he has a pretty high cap hit, uh, and he's getting a little older. Um, yeah. I'm, so I'm sure. Wait, what? It'll be interesting to see what if they end up trading. Cam Jordan, because uh, even if you end up trading him, depending on how much the cap hit hits, if they've restructured his deal, they might not lose or they might not gain much of anything in cap space. Um, and so part of the trade could be for cap space. Like like you can negotiate cap space in trades. You could, yeah, yeah. But like I said, it depends on if they've restructured their deal before this trade and what dead cap space they'll be with um a, a trade like this like uh, I'm not, i would need to look at the numbers and something we could talk about in a later episode uh once we kind of break down each division uh and, and what each team needs going into the offseason we could talk more in depth about the saints um and, and like cam jordan's contract for example mm-hmm. but if if cam jordan for example is is uh paid 20 million dollars this year or expected cap hit of $20 million, but dead cap space would be $15 million. Uh, you're only saving $5 billion cap space. I don't know how much of an advantage that would be. Um, I, I guess you could take what you can get, so to say. But uh, the Saints the might be putting on a kind of a ragtag team uh, on the field next year uh, and just take next season as an L because yeah. they're going to be in cap space hell for sure. Yeah, definitely. And uh, hopefully it doesn't carry on for too long for the Saints. Well, I guess I guess in your case you kind of want it to, so that way the Falcons have a better chance of that division. 
Yeah, um, well, I would, I would absolutely love to see a good Saints team because uh, the Saints-Falcons rivalry, I think, is one of the best. I'm biased, but it's one of the best in the uh, um, in the NFL. I, I would I don't want them to beat the Falcons, but I'd love for the Saints to do really well and, and do uh, yeah. Uh, and be really successful uh, to kind of help the, help out the NFC South, you know. Mm-hmm. So. The, but anyways, speaking mm-hmm. of old quarterbacks, uh, the Buccaneers and the Packers are playing on Sunday. Yep, uh, that's uh, the, the first championship game. Uh, yes, in, so, in the frozen tundra. Well, yep, and I think that's going to be one of the things that's – so these two teams have met earlier this year and the Buccaneers put a, put a beating on the Packers. I think it was 34 to 10 or 38, 38 to 10, 38 to 10. 10. Yeah. But that was in the nice warm weather of Tampa Bay. And mm-hmm. these two teams, I think are totally different uh, than, than when they played. I think the Buccaneers were still trying to figure out their offense in the beginning of the year. And in this game, when they played the Packers, it worked out really well. Uh, mm-hmm. But the Packers have changed so much as well. This offense is clicking. They're going to be home. There's going to be yeah. a lot of – it's going to be probably the most fans, uh, I bet, in the stands, um, probably more than the Chiefs playoff game this past this past weekend. And so I think the atmosphere for a half-filled stadium is going to be electric. And it's going to be a really good game. I'm very excited for both uh, these championship mm-hmm. games. Kind of actually what everyone pictured uh, from the get-go. Uh, yeah. We're going to be these four teams uh, in the in the semifinals, and I, honestly, I think everyone in the sporting world has been waiting for two matchups: a Tom Brady Drew Brees matchup and a Tom Brady Aaron Rodgers matchup. And yeah. I, it's amazing that we're getting both <laughs> I'm in, really in, the same, in the same year. I the same so year, yeah. I think the Buccaneers act like. I know they walloped them in the in the regular season. And like you said, I think both of these teams are very, very different. But I think the Buccaneers still just match up so, so well against the Packers. Like, yeah. if you were going to draw up a team that could beat the Packers, the Buccaneers are almost the template. Yeah, I mean, you, you have a high-flying offense with a very experienced quarterback that knows how to manage a game coupled with a very athletic defense that has multiple corners and a young safety that is very good uh, to put on Devontae Adams and make Aaron Rodgers go somewhere else while having a strong enough front four to keep Aaron Jones from running the ball. I think that the Buccaneers are going to win this matchup, and I think they're going to do it in similar fashion to how they beat them in week nine. Yeah. Yeah. I I, uh, make very good points and – it, it, it's hard it's hard to disagree with you uh but i think it's this is aaron Rodgers' first uh first home game in the nfc championship game first time playing uh mm-hmm. with a chance to go to the super bowl at lambeau field first time i think they have it um well no not first time for an opportunity to go to the super bowl they've had several opportunities over the past uh, five years to make it to yeah. the Super Bowl. Made it to a lot of NFC Championship games. And this is the first one at Lambeau Field, though. First one at Lambeau Field in Aaron Rodgers' career. And the the, the big X factor, I think, is going to be, can the Green Bay defense uh, contain uh, all the offensive weapons? Mm-hmm. Um, 
that the Buccaneers have. Because one of the issues that people have talked about and that Brady has passed uh, over these past couple games against Washington and against New Orleans is his struggle against a defense that can uh, rush four uh, and, mm-hmm. and drop back seven. And he's passed those tests. And the Buccaneers, the Packers defense isn't uh, uh, is fine. Is nowhere near as good though as the Saints and Redskins defense. Or sorry, yeah. the Washington. Their, their, their pass rush specifically is not as good. Uh-huh. Not even close. No, uh, not even close. So I think this is going to be a high, high scoring game. But uh, I, I'm going to lead with the Packers. I think that they're going to get the ball last, and Aaron Rodgers is going to have a drive, um, the drive of his life, I think, and take the Packers in the Super Bowl. And probably I, I, I would think maybe uh, uh, a 30-plus scoring game. I, I, I'm going to say just so Taking the over? Uh, what's the over at right now? Over-under is 51. Oh, yeah, I would take that. 51? So, I'm, I'm so. taking the over too. I I think the pa- or the Patriots. I think the Buccaneers are going to put up 38 again. I I I just don't see the the defense being able to stop them. And think about it. So the the Buccaneers have played the number three and the number four defense so far in the playoffs. Yeah, they put up 30 on both of them. Yeah, and so. I I don't think that the weather is going to phase the Buccaneers as much because you have Antonio Brown, you have Rob Gronkowski, you have Tom Brady, you have these guys that have played in this situation before. Tristan Wirfs played at Iowa. Like, yeah, I I don't think that it being 28 degrees at kickoff or whatever it's going to be is going to phase these guys that much. Yeah, I, uh, I absolutely agree with you. And, and, it does say there's a chance for snow, but I think I saw only an inch. Like it's going to essentially yeah. be non-existent. I don't think the cold is going to play uh, a factor at all. I just think uh, you, you mentioned how good the defenses are, but you also I think these offenses were. I know the Saints stat-wise have one of better offenses, but a lot of that was mm-hmm. due to the beginning year performances of of uh, Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. But the two offenses though that the Buccaneers had played uh, were were not as good. Uh, mm-hmm. as this Packers offense. And uh, I, I agree with you completely that matchup-wise, the Buccaneers match up well against uh, the Packers. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be one of those things, having home field advantage, having that buzz. Uh, it's one of those, normally, I, I like to try and vote, uh, I pick, uh, make my picks with logic. And, and this one I know is definitely more based off of emotion. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, um, but... Like I could, I could see either team winning. I just think with this one, I think the pack, the Packers are just going to grind it out. But I just, I think they're going to win. Probably, uh, I, I'm going to say, uh, I don't like only touchdown games. I'm, I'm going to say, uh, 42 to 37. 37. That's an odd number. I have two field goals. No, three field goals. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I yeah. I'm I'm going to say, uh, 41, uh, 24. I, I think the Buccaneers are going to put a double-digit lead up on them. I, I just really? – I so what happened last time is the Packers went out and they scored 10 straight points, right? Yeah. Tom Brady saw something in that defense that they could expose. And for the next three and a half quarters, the Buccaneers proceeded to put up 38 points in convincing fashion on the Packers. So – 
the Packers had three and a half quarters to adjust. Now they've had three months now to adjust, but I, I think if they were going to fix the thing that uh, Tom Brady and that Buccaneers offense saw, they would have been able to fix it by the fourth quarter. I, yeah. I think they have clear player personnel mismatches on the outside on the tight end position uh, that Green Bay just cannot solve. Because outside of Jair Alexander, the Packers secondary, I don't think is very good. Yeah. Jair Alexander is a ball hawk, and I, I will give him credit for that. But I just don't think that that, that secondary is going to be able to keep up with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Rob Gronkowski, and Cameron yeah. Wright. Because apparently now he's catching five, six balls a game. Yeah, no, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, one of the things that you were talking about, like the Packers just started out hot with 10, with 10 straight points. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, in that game also specifically, the Buccaneers defense, uh, after that, shut the Packers offense down. I think yeah, that yeah. was – uh, I think that was when the Packers, uh, they started off hot. Yes, it was their first loss, but still tr- trying to figure out uh, their, their weapons uh, and trying to see. And, like, so so here's the uh, – after the the series of possessions, the Packers went uh, interception for a touchdown, then an interception, and then uh, that was returned to the two-yard line, then a touchdown immediately by Ronald Jones, and then mm-hmm. a punt and another touchdown. And then after that, it, it was clear sailing, uh, clear sailing for the Buccaneers. So there definitely yeah. was a big momentum swing there. And I yeah. think Rodgers is clicking on all cylinders. Devontae Adams uh, is clicking on all cylinders. Uh, who do the Buccaneers have a shutdown corner? I'm, I'm trying to remember, but I'm blanking um, on it. They have Carlton Davis, who is uh, – I mean, he had like I think seven interceptions this year. He's not elite, but the thing is I think they're going to be able to double Devontae Adams. And honestly – one thing that I think a lot of people might overlook with Devontae Adams is if you you can let Devontae Adams get his 140 yards and a touchdown. Like, if he gets that and then the rest of the other receivers only get 140 yards and a touchdown combined, that's only 280 yards and two touchdowns of offense. Yeah. And so, I to me, it's kind of – I don't know. And, and I, they're going to need a lot more than 280 yards and two touchdowns of offense. Yeah, I agree with so. that. And it, it definitely is looking at their, uh, like the, the other receivers that they have and just their, their, mm-hmm. uh, their other yards. Uh, uh, Marquise Scantling, uh, Mar- Mar- Marquez Valdez Scantling is second receiving with 690 yards and, and yeah. six touchdowns. So, uh, there isn't that much of a dual threat uh, that uh, you are mentioning there. Uh, and, and you have very good points uh, about what they're going to be able to do. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see, can the Green Bay Packers keep the Buccaneers' offense um, off the field for as long as possible? Can they go down and score yeah. major, like the majority of their drives, and then can their Packers' defense just contain uh, the Buccaneers? And so, yeah. and it kind of, like, w- w- with these picks, this is, I think, as much of a pick em. Uh, as uh, any of the other games, uh, as any of the playoff games that we've had, I could easily see either team going on to the Super Bowl, and, and both teams are yeah. uh, deserving. I think. Yeah. Now, in uh, much like the second game, I I think both of these teams are the, the two best teams in uh, the NFC right now. Like I, I I think these four teams are the best four teams in the NFL right now. It. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. And so I, that's why I think these games are so exciting. And yeah. even the, the Bills-Chiefs game, that's a pick em. I mean. Yeah. 
the Bills, the Bills Chiefs game absolutely is is a pick 'em. Uh, mm-hmm. It's I'm curious though on what the report's going to be for Patrick Mahomes. I think he's going to play, but he's going to have a week without practicing and, and recovering. How is yeah. he going to prepare uh, for these games? You, you know what I mean? Uh, well, yeah. uh, uh, how is he going to prepare for the Bills uh, once when he's healthy? Because if he's not able to get these reps in practice against these this Bills defense, which isn't a joke. Uh, um, uh, in all fairness, the the Bills uh, locked down a, a pretty solid uh, Colts offense, uh, uh, much as surprise of, of myself uh, in, in the running game. So, so they'll be able to contain the running game um, as well. It is can the Bills contain uh, the offensive weapons that they have? I believe that they can. Yeah. And can the Chiefs? The the Chiefs got lucky with the Browns. Uh, getting a lot of offensive line injuries and then fumbling. Yeah. Uh, and Miles Garrett and Olivia Vernon not – well, Olivia Vernon's been out for a while, but Miles Garrett getting hurt was yeah. a backbreaker for that defense. Yeah. So I, uh, I really think that the Bills' defense is a step up for the Chiefs, and I think that, that they're going to be able to help contain them. And yeah. and that, off, that Josh Allen offense is, is no joke. Him and is the number one corner – for the Chiefs, uh, uh, Tyron Matthew. Uh, yeah, but he's a safety. I mean, they have a, they have a guy that I forget his name. Uh, I forget his name, but he's he's a decent he's a decent young corner, but he's not he's not like he's not gonna be able to hold Stephon Diggs. Yeah, yeah, so. I agree. And that uh, uh, I don't think anyone can hold Stephon Diggs. So no. it's gonna be. Uh, I think it's going to be another high-scoring game. I don't know if it's going to be as high as the uh, Bucks and Packers, but uh, I personally think the Bills are going to pull this one out on the road. Yeah, I do too. I I think again, I like you said, Patrick Mahomes isn't going to be able to practice for a week. Uh, the Bills have a much they have a healthier defense than the Browns. Uh, I don't know if it's that much better. Um, and I think the Bills are actually kind of built to beat the Chiefs. I think they're built with that high-flying offense. They can put up a ton of points, uh, and they have a solid defense. The one thing that the Bills are not going to let uh, the Chiefs do is run the ball. And so they're going to have to get – I in my, I think they're going to have to get everything through the air, uh, maybe try yeah. and get some screen plays. I, I think the, the Chiefs are going to have to substitute run plays like they did against the Browns with jet sweeps, screen plays, uh, like short like yardage passes um it just to kind of get the browns off the ball and not just running after pat mahomes especially after he was already injured going into the browns game and then he got a concussion yeah uh, and it sounds so like, it sounds like he's got a pinched nerve as well so it's gonna be very oh, really? interesting. yeah uh, uh and it's a range concussion but uh, that's right. Well, people are wondering if it was a concussion and they, he has to go through the concussion protocol just based off the NFL rules, mm-hmm. uh, or if it was he got his bell rung, pinched his nerve, pinched his neck. Uh, well, but, so, but he's still good through the protocols since he got ruled out of a game with a potential head injury. So, well, so he to me, he clearly had a concussion when he got up. Like you could tell he was hurt when he got up. Yeah, but I thought it was me. I, I honestly thought he, he did something to his knee. Oh, I, I, as soon as he, like, you could kind of see in his arms, like he looked like a boxer. Th- this will lead into my next point, but he looked like a boxer that had just been hit really hard on the chin. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and watch, 
the linebacker for the Browns came in and he tried to wrap him up, but he kind of slid and he hit him like right on the chin and then carried his forehead into the turf. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It was, it was such a weird hit though, because you watched it and it looked like a routine tackle. Yeah. Uh, and it just, it was weird. Yeah. It, it was definitely an odd uh, tackle and, and, and uh, an odd injury. I wasn't surprised. Uh, uh, that he got hurt after watching the replay in slow mo. Like it looks like he got, like you said, tackled around the chin and then went head first in, uh, into the ground. So, yeah. so with, with that being said, it'll be interesting to see how he does without a week of practice and also, um, playing a much better defense. Yeah, the, the, the Bills defense is going to be able to contain uh, that that offense much better, I think, than than the Browns did. And the Browns did a pretty good job. Uh, they were able to limit it to uh, a lot of field goals once they got into their offensive side of the zone. So yeah, uh, well, Browns did a good job of too, as they eliminated the big plays. And yeah. they kind of they kept they kept them from getting those sixty yard chunk plays that hurt you. And that's I, the Chiefs want those eight to 10, 12 possession games. Like they want to have the football in Mahomes' hands. And so yeah. I, I think the bills are going to be able to do the same thing yeah. that the Browns are able to do. Yeah, I think so as well. And uh, I'm curious to see how much the bills run the ball. I think they only had maybe 10 rushes. If that for 40 yards, I think uh, in the game last week, uh, it, I think I think I saw a stat. They were the first playoff team, I think, ever to not um, to not run the ball uh, in the first quarter of a playoff game. So I'm very curious to see uh, how they end up um, uh, handling the run because obviously we know that they can throw. Uh, uh, that's not an issue, but can they run the ball uh, effectively in, in order to open up the passing game and get the Chiefs' defense off balance? Well, so I the Chiefs have a very good pass rushing defensive line, um, yeah. but they do not have that great of a run defense. They they're weak at the linebacker position. Uh, they're kind of weak at the defensive tackle position. They're athletic, but they're moved out of the way easily by a power run game. Yeah. So, I I think uh, Devin Singletary will have a good game. Uh, I think the play it'll really open up the play action pass for Stephon Diggs. Uh, yeah. Um. And I, I also expect John Brown uh, to have at least one big 20-plus yard catch, uh, maybe for a touchdown in this yeah. game. Just because I, I think the play-action pass uh, is going to be extremely deadly to this Chiefs defense. Uh, yeah. Tyron Matthew, they usually try to play a single high safety with him, uh, or sometimes they'll bring him down into the box and let him play like this like hybrid role. Um, or cover a tight end. But I, I just don't think Tyron Matthew is going to be able to keep up with all the weapons that the Chiefs have. Because I think Dawson Knox is an underrated tight end for the Bills. Um, yeah. And then Stefan Diggs is a, an elite receiver in the league. Like, I mean, he's top five. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's going to be really interesting cause, eh, uh, how the two offenses play against the defense because both Andy Reid and the Bills the ball. Uh, offensive coordinator for the Bills that are, are great offensive minds uh, and are definitely going to be interesting how they attack the opposing team's defense. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm I'm going to take the Bills. I'm going to say 31 to 20. Uh, okay. 
I, okay. I think I think they're going to stifle the Chiefs a little bit. Um, granted, none of the Bills. Well, I guess the Ravens game was seventeen to three, but I was going to say none of the Bills games have really been that high scoring, or the Bills have looked extremely dominant in either of their playoff games. But I think they match up well against the Chiefs, uh, and they kind of already have a blueprint laid out from the Browns. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I agree. I'm also going to go with the Bills. Uh, I think it's going to be similar to kind of the Colts uh, game. I think it's going to come down. Uh, the Chiefs are potentially going to have a chance to win. But uh, I think uh, I want to go with a 27-21 Bills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think the defense is going to be able to keep Mahomes in check uh, and, and some of those weapons in check. Uh, are they going to be able to score? Yes. But uh, the Chiefs uh, had a – uh, they clearly struggled once they got uh, near the red zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, had struggles to get the ball into the end zone. And yeah. so uh, the Bills' defense is is a much better defense than the Browns, and the Browns were able to keep them in, in check. Well, not only did the Chiefs struggle to get the ball in the end zone, Harrison Bucker missed a few really close ones. He really did. And I'm not too worried about that. Um, uh, even if he did. So Harrison Bucker's missed. Uh, misses made up for the fumble in the end zone for the Browns. That that was still a very yeah. close game, you know. Yeah. Uh, so and, and the Browns nearly made a comeback. The, well, he missed the field goal as an extra point, didn't he? He did miss an extra point as well. Yeah. Okay. So, so that, I mean, that's seven points. So I guess that would great. have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you bet it on the over, then then you're disappointed by by uh, all those mistakes. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but that's right. Uh, I do think the Bills are, are uh, going to come out on top. It is hard to win back-to-back Super Bowls, and sometimes you just kind of run into it. And the Chiefs just lately haven't looked like the Super Bowl team that they have. Uh, uh, they've, uh, they've scraped by their last three or four wins. Yeah, yeah. And, and against teams that on paper for how good they could be, should should win handily. Like they should should have beaten the Browns pretty handily. They should have beaten the Falcons really handily. You know, on paper, and it yeah. seemed like they just kind of struggled a little bit. So, and and that happens. You, you have ebbs and flows in seasons, and and I think it's just the Bills' turn. I think everything's been clicking for the Bills. I think if we're if I'm also going with, uh, you know, the emotional uh, side, uh, the Bills have not been this good in 25 years, haven't been to the Super Bowl, I think, in 25 years, right? Or yeah. 26 years, something like that. Uh, well, they and, haven't won a playoff and, game in 26 years. Well, yeah, no, that's what I was going to say, because they went to the four Super Bowls in a row in the early 90s. Um, and I don't, I don't know if they've been to the playoffs since. So that's, I'm trying to remember if, they, if it was the next year or if it was uh, uh, the year after that. Uh, I'm so. not. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Same. A little, yeah. A little I, trivia for the for the fans out there. Well, we'll we can we can say that at the beginning of the next episode. We'll say uh, when the last time the Bills made the playoffs was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, made the playoffs, or because last or time made a, a playoff, won, a play, won a playoff game, won a playoff yeah. game. But, uh, before this off season, yeah, because they had a really good chance last year to beat the Texans, uh, and so that was kind of the yeah. beginning of of Josh Allen. And, and this mm-hmm. Buffalo Bills team. So, but yeah, so I, uh, like usual, agree on one pick, disagree on the other pick. But either way, I think it's going to be one hell of a football Sunday. And oh, yeah. I'm I think it, 
I, I think a great Super Bowl as well. Mm-hmm. That's uh, so. I guess we're a little bit torn on the Super Bowl prediction, but we'll see come Sunday who was who was right. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. And you know, it, it'd be uh, it'd be a little boring of a podcast, I think, if we agreed on everything. So yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> would it be too much? Uh, would not be too much of a conversation. I learned a long time ago as a as a lifelong Patriots fan, you don't bet against twelve. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and that's why I picked Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah, to win yeah, game. exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, it's it, it's going to be uh, is Patrick Mahomes twelve also, or is he ten? No, he's he's fifteen. Ah, fifteen, and then yeah. Josh Allen's seventeen. Okay. Yeah, Josh Allen's seventeen. Okay. Oh uh, yeah. It would have been needed. Uh, would have been neat if, if they were all they were all twelve. I think that I think that would be hands down. Yeah. If you're a quarterback, you got to be number twelve. Then from from yeah. there on, if if you're betting on twelve in the Buccaneers Packers game, you, I like your chances. I like your I like your chances. Yeah. So, no, uh, I meant I meant the the TB twelve TB twelve method. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but all right, man. Well, uh, I know uh, we're going to do a mock draft this Friday, correct? Yeah, we will be posting a mock draft. Uh, we'll be recording it Friday and I think posting it Saturday morning. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's something that people can listen to when, as they're on the way to uh, either Kansas City or to, to Lambeau Field. Oh, yeah. Uh, get ready for this uh, fun, fun offseason. I'm excited for this offseason, man. I haven't yeah. been one normally to, to look at picks and what team teams' needs are, but due to COVID and just how amazing this draft class is, mm-hmm. like I, I, I could see – the uh, besides Trevor Lawrence, because there's no way Jacksonville is going to trade Trevor Lawrence yeah. or trade the number one pick. Uh, so essentially, trade lover, uh, 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 trade Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can see the next four picks going a hundred different ways. Yeah. There are so many teams that need quarterbacks. I could even see potentially if they want to give up the draft capital, uh, uh, Tampa Bay going all the way up and potentially picking the quarterback. That would be a lot of draft capital. I completely understand. But Tom Brady is going to retire potentially after next season or maybe the season after that. Super Bowl, you don't think he'll retire? Uh, I mean, he's going to be 44 this year. The man is approaching grandpa status. Yeah. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. But at the same time, though, it's not like he played poorly. I mean – it doesn't no. seem like he has the same struggle as Drew Brees uh, had, you know, where it no. seems like his arm strength is gone. And he hasn't really no. been much of a mover anyways. And he, 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 he is now essentially turned into what Alex Smith was when he was in his prime with the Chiefs, where he is now an amazing game manager and really accurate with the ball. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay, so you say that. He's a game manager that threw for 4,600 yards and 40 touchdowns this year. Yeah, like like so. so that's with a sixty six percent completion percentage, he he is going to go if he if he wins the Super Bowl, he would go out only because he just feels like he has nothing left to prove and just wants to just go into retirement. He can absolutely still play. There's, oh yeah, there, there's no doubting that at all. And I think he signed a two year contract as well. So. He did. Uh, I I think there's something to be said though for going out on top. Oh, I I, I agree completely. You know. It, uh, if if I were that in that situation and I 
had people rolling out red carpets wherever I went because I was the goat. I yeah. I I would I would end on my seventh Super Bowl championship. Yeah, because it, it's it's literally the most any player has ever won at any sport. It's not even like MJ has seven. Yeah, well, it's not the most in any sport. Will uh, Will Chamberlain has eleven, I believe. But uh, uh, those are NBA championships. Are yeah, yeah. Huh? Are those NBA championships? Are they yeah. are they ABA or whatever it was? They're still. I'm pretty sure they're NBA. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure uh, he has the most. Um, but but if we're talking about that though, like like you're right, like Michael Jordan doesn't have that many. Um, Babe Ruth, how many World Series does he have? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, but uh, uh, that's besides the point. Though, it, it, what what would be really interesting though about uh, I think it is it, really hard to compare on who's the greatest athlete of all time. Uh, but it would be very interesting if he does this, and now he's got the leg up on Bill Belichick uh, on yeah. on anyone saying. I think he kind of already does. Well, so it's still, I mean, it's just another point uh, towards his, uh, I guess, legacy, uh, so to say. Um, but it, it, it's, still, it's still hard to debate, though, on who's, on who's better, uh, Bill Belichick or Tom Brady. I personally believe that... Uh, it was... Go ahead, sorry. Well, I was going to say, I personally believe that Tom Brady can... Uh, win you the Super Bowl, but Bill Belichick can get you there. And they were a perfect storm of both of each other. Yeah, it, it is not one nor the other; it is both of them. Yeah. It, so, like, so I always say that dynasty was composed of Belichick won the first one and the last one, and Tom Brady won the four in the middle, but the. Uh, number four, the Super Bowl 49 against the Seahawks was one of the most balanced football teams I've ever seen come out of New England. That was, yep. they had uh, 2,000 yard receivers, a thousand yard rusher, uh, and three other running backs that, uh, one of which caught 40 balls and then the other one ran for like 600 something yards. It, it was the most balanced football I've ever seen. And, yep. You can point to games throughout all of those seasons that, like, Belichick won. Like, the defense won this game because offense didn't play well. And then you can point to games where Tom Brady put up 38 and won 38-35. Like, yeah. it, they were a perfect storm of both of each other. And, well, and that's the thing, too, and not to take away from Tom Brady's year this year, mm-hmm. but if you look at the Tampa Bay team now that he has, you could argue that this is the best – football team uh, talent-wise that uh, Tom Brady has been on with all the with all the receivers that he has. Yeah, uh, on paper. He's got Ronald Jones and uh, uh, LeGarrette Blunt. No, uh, uh, sorry, Leonard Fournette uh, as the running back. That defense front seven is very solid, and he's, and he's got uh, maybe not elite corners and safeties, but but still very solid, like an above average yeah. defense as well to go with him. And they're, that's they're tough in defense. Yeah. Most of the time against when when the Patriots, I always felt he had they had a very good 
defense that that can limit the amount of points that the other team can mm-hmm. score. Well, and they would always be like enough role players that he could throw to with an amazing game plan yeah. against the defense. So but that's where it was always an interesting combination of Bill Belichick's amazing coaching ability, mm-hmm. then with Tom Breeze's drive to win and his ability to, um, and, and his ability to beat these defenses. Mm-hmm. But that's like so. Those teams I watch. I mean, as a Patriots fan, I've I watched that dynasty. Like I grew up on that dynasty, yeah. and so those those defenses were always the Brent Ben don't break. We can give up field goals. Just don't let them in the end zone. Yeah. And so I like they would always be like it would make me so mad because they would always be like twenty fifth in yards allowed, but then they'd be like fourth in points allowed. Yeah. Yeah, and that's absolutely fine. Yeah, you can give and, up a thousand yards a game, but if they only score fifteen points, that's all right. Yeah, and so like, but it was. And then the offense was always so efficient, just because Brady was perfectly fine to drop back and hit the running back when the defense is in cover two, get that linebacker running back mis- mismatch, get the five yards, get the six yards first down, eleven yeah. yards first down, four yards, like yeah. just. He would do that the whole day down the field because if, if that's what Brady had to do to win, then he would. Mm-hmm. And coupled with that defense, it, it was just it, – it, those teams will never be replicated. That, that dynasty will never happen again. Just yeah. it, it was such a perfect storm. Yeah. I, I mean, nine, nine Super Bowls in uh, 19 seasons, so about yeah. a Super Bowl – Every other year, yeah, pretty much. Our Super Bowl appearance, and and they year. and they won six of them, and so they won the Super Bowl one out of every three years. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the advantages now of Tom Brady and his legacy is similar uh, to a LeBron James kind of ordeal, where people want to go play with him now mm-hmm. because they know they have a chance to win to win a championship. Yeah. So. Uh, I think it's one of the reasons why I, I think this Bucks team uh, arguably could be one of the best teams that, that Tom Brady has mm-hmm. ever played on. I think it's one of the best teams that he's played on on paper. I don't – the offensive line I don't think is quite up to par. Uh, yeah, I I agree with that. But uh, Tom Brady used to get hit like four times a game. Like, like oh, hit, that's, not even, that's not even sacks. Yeah. So, well, and then, and then, even then, with that being said, though, you know, it kind of goes back to Bill Belichick. Then, is he game planned? Mm-hmm. Like, he, he game planned to get the ball out of the hand early for Tom Brady. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. and and Tom Brady is also he's very savvy about moving in the pocket, too. Like, so coupled with Bill Belichick always building an offensive line, yeah, uh, and doing things like that, uh, really, I think helped Tom Brady develop into who he was like or is i guess as a player because he's still going so mm-hmm. yeah yeah i agree completely it's going to be interesting to see if he is able to win seven uh and then if he is able to play the bills because that would be really funny the bills franchise think that they got rid of tom brady and then they beat him in the <laughs> biggest the, game of yeah. the season so oh, man but it'll be very interesting to see i know we'll do uh, a recap episode and a super bowl episode uh, next week after the championship game. But I do want to end on one final note, uh, a quick edit, because uh, I know our dad will be very upset. But actually, it was Bill Russell that has 11 championships, not Will Chamberlain. Okay, I, uh, I was going to say, but Bill was 
Bill Russell in the ABA or NBA before it all became one? No, uh, he played with the Celtics uh, throughout the 50s and 60s. Um, but they're still counting it as, as NBA championships. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, the yeah. NBA was forded in, uh, forded, uh, was started in 1946. Yeah, so and the ABA was okay. a competing one, and they merged in the late 60s, early 70s, I believe. I'm trying to remember. Okay, okay, okay. So, but yeah, it was Bill Russell. Just to end on a on, on a side note, and so we'll we'll begin into basketball a little bit later uh, after uh, now the, this football season kind of wraps up. Mm-hmm. So. righty. well that's going to do it for the fourth episode of punts pucks and pitches and again don't forget to come back saturday morning we will be uploading our first 28 picks for our first mock draft of the mm-hmm. nfl it's gonna be exciting mm-hmm. all righty thanks for listening all right. <laughs>